Well, hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Caledonian Kings Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Mark, and joining me as ever, the gobbledygooker to my huge fucking egg, Stuart. <laughs> uh, <laughs> welcome back, man. How are you doing? Always a pleasure, Mark. How are we? Ah, no, but I, I was struggling for a, for an intro this week, so I just came I up with something that, absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> we don't script this anyway. Absolutely not. Um, today we're covering Unforgiven 2000. Um the third pay-per-view from 2000 that we've covered already. It says a lot about the calibre of talent um, and how good the shows were in 2000. Isn't that fair to say? It's uh, good. It's really, really good. See, when you look at what the opening acts are um, across most of the, the pay-per-views, it's just outstanding. Yeah. Uh, from top to bottom, you know, a mismatch of, of names that can simply be, you know, a Hall of Fame elect in terms of, you know, you can fill up two Hall of Fame classes with the names involved um, throughout the year of 2000 and, and WWF alone. Um this card is an absolute whopper, so we're quite excited to cover it. Uh, it's, it's steep into the decline of, of Vince Russo. Uh, the Vince Russo controlled WCW. Um, I mean, in July over there, Jar- Jarrett had laid down for Hogan, uh, which subsequently mean we'd never see Hogan WCW again. Um, this show takes place on the 24th of September. Uh, the following night on Nitro, Vince Russo would win the World Heavyweight Championship. So it just goes to show where, where the competition's at compared to where WWF are at at the time. Um, were, you, were you watching it this time, Stuart? Do you remember WWF just I was, I was, arse? I was deep. I was balls deep in WWF at this time. Um, I was uh, a few years away from being a WCW fan at this point. Um, yeah. I'd already left, and you can obviously see why. Yeah. And, and speaking of leaving a week later, Vince Russo would also be leaving uh, <laughs> WCW, so that would be the end of his run there as well. So uh, I, just, I just found that a, a really interesting point to pinpoint where we are um, in 2000. Um, it's, it's all WWE at this point. It's all WWF rather. Um, an absolute steam train going filled out. Um, and this show is another, another example of that. So the opening show, the, the promo um, that, that builds basically the fatal four-way main event um, we have between Kane, Undertaker, The Rock, and Chris Benoit. Yes, I may have made an answer to that on the previous podcast. Austin is not in the main event. <laughs> uh, the however, angle in Triple H as well. He is the highlight of the show. Is Austin? Yes. Um, I think I'm a bit, I was maybe a wee spoiler that I didn't even realise I'd done last week. <laughs> uh, Steve Austin's on the warpath and attempt to find out who had run him over. Oh yes, it's that storyline oh, um, from the SummerSlam of the year before as well, which is extending. So I mean, he, was, he was away for a long time. He was away from the Survivor Series when he got run over until now, basically. Yeah, September. So I mean, it's near enough a ten few months. Years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Hell of a long time. Obviously, I wasn't watching it this time. I'd only been, what, three? So, <laughs> uh, I wasn't even tuned in at this moment in time. Yeah. I didn't realise he was away for that long, that length it's, of time. It, it's definitely the neck injuries from the, the own heart incident that's finally caught up with him and needed mm-hmm. some time off, um, reluctantly, as well, I remember. Yeah. Whether it had been KFAB or shoot, I was in both. Yeah, um, and I mean, it didn't, it didn't seem to prolong his career an awful lot because three, th- by three years, or well, two and a half years later, he was done. Um, yep. So it's not like, you know, he had to go and do this so they could have some longevity. He only really had two and a half years out of it. Um, and a lot of time, he does exactly what we see him do on this show, which is walking around and beat people up, <laughs> um, rather than having full-blown matches. So, JR brings us to the show, uh, and we see a sold-out crowd of 18,092 in the first Union Centre in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. That's a tongue twister and a half. Um, 16,862 paid, meaning around 1,300 tickets were comped. Um, accumulating a live gate of around $822,400, averaging $48.77 per ticket. Um, 
We also have merchandise figures for this show, um, which are quite rare actually, to actually come across. Sometimes you don't find them for most shows. Um, but an average of about nine pounds, nine dollars fifty-two per person, so about ten dollars each. Um, arriving at one hundred seventy-two thousand dollars for merchandise alone. It's just I love crunching numbers and stuff like that. I'm quite geeky that way. Um, how much was one show can bring into a company? Uh, they also had six hundred five thousand pay-per-view buys worldwide, which is a whopper number. It was the third highest of the year, beating the Royal Rumble and Survivor Series and SummerSlam, and only to be outdone by WrestleMania and Backlash of that year. So quite a surprise there, Stuart, going into September that this is the third highest pay-per-view of the year. I feel that they must have beat with these kind of pay-per-views that these should be in bigger arenas than what they actually are. Yeah, I mean, like, I think a preview like this could probably sell double. Like, probably you, right. You know, and I, I used to love hearing JR say this. It was always using the opening two minutes. He would say how uh, how quickly the ticket sold out. Yeah. It was usually like, yeah, ticket sold out within twenty seven minutes and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think it was two hours on this occasion. Um, yeah. Absolutely, you know, but I think also as well, you don't want to overshoot, you know, you don't want to get too big a place and, and it doesn't quite pay off. Um, I don't think said, I mean, they, they must know in the area how the high yeah. demand is. Um, yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. And it's, at this moment in time, it's the only game in town because WCW are giving away, they, they can't give away their pay-per-views for free. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, four titles to be decided on this show and, of course, Shane McMahon claiming to have footage of who ran over Steve Austin, so that's going to be an ongoing story as the night progresses. Uh, the opening contest is an eight-man tag team match. The Acolytes, Farouk and Bradshaw, team with the Dudley Boys of Devon and Bubba Ray, to take on right to censor Val Venus, the Good Father, Stephen Richards and the Bull Buchanan. Um, for those of you who don't know, right to censor was a parody of the Parent-Teacher Council, which is basically a team of Karens who are against the violence and sexual content of WWF uh, and would continuously protest to the show being on air um, and give WWF a right headache. So they decided... Let's be, you know, considerate bunch of people and a parody of the group and make some fucking money from it. Um, do, do you recall this, I, this I attempt to draw heat and, and how, how well it went down, really? I loved the right to censor. I thought they were incredible. Um, I've never quite understood some aspects of it, right? So I get the full kind of, you know, the conversion ideology of the group. That's been done mm-hmm. to death in wrestling, straight edge society, that kind of thing. Yeah. Right, so Godfather, right, ex-pimp, Needs converting, yeah, that's fine. Becomes a good father, all good. Valvinus, porn star, no, no, a no good uh, so and so needs converted. Uh, Ivory, you know, she's just a tight cow. But <laughs> I'll never understand um, what Bobby Cannon's converted <laughs> was. I mean, if if anybody knows, please tweet Mark and let us know. Uh, being a shite wrestler doesn't count as needing converted. So no, I, I mean, suppose- if anything, I mean, he was a. Uh... Technically, he was with Big Boss Man, wasn't he? So yes, he was technically yes. on the good side, if that makes sense. He was on the law and order side of things, to be Yeah, good. so maybe he was just recruited <laughs> because he was already good, I don't know, but uh, I, don't, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, if, if anybody shouldn't have been in that group, it would be <laughs> uh, Two options for a crazy opening pop of a 2000 or 2001 pay-per-view, right? It's either the Hardy Boys theme song or it's the Dudley Fireworks. Yeah. Both are acceptable, and fuck yeah, here we go, it's the fireworks. Um, did you like JBL trip over the fireworks? Yes. The fire- <laughs> ah, yeah, fuck you, JBL, you I knew you were going to get that as well, by the way. Because yeah, I actually, like... you know, in fairness, he's uh, he's looking decent shape here. Yeah, yeah you know be- what he did? Um... It's probably the best shape he's ever been in. Uh, he certainly wasn't in shape as JBL, but here he looks uh, an absolute ass kicker. Uh, he always looked a bit sloppy and out of shape next to... Um, 
I think, I think that was part of the, I don't want to say part of the gimmick because that's not part of you know what I mean. But these sort of big brawling dudes that are mm. just horse, you know what I mean? They don't have yeah. to be ripped to a shred, just, they're just fucking big lads. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And within 10 seconds, crowd are screaming for tables. It's a big, uh, <laughs> it's a big meaty contest, this one. <laughs> I, th- I think it's one of those things um, with the boys when you watch back, you know, their content and stuff like that, you kind of just have to let that go <laughs> because yeah. it's, just, it's just part of it now, you know, mm-hmm. it's just become such part and parcel of what they are and how over they got something so over that they can't even have a fucking normal match you know exactly. um i think it was quite a standard eight-man tag um it does eventually break down with a brawl and soon uh, on the outside as expected with eight people in there um the dudley's hit a doomsday device which i thought was quite a fitting tribute obviously to the recent passing of old warrior animal um as we record this episode and condolences of course to end affected by his tragic death um but i thought that was quite a, you know it was quite obviously that's quite fresh in my mind so when i saw it i was like oh that's actually you know um just at the think- time of watched it <laughs> yeah i think they actually call that the dudley device yeah so they've sort of yeah so they sort of should have yeah. pointed out as well they sort of coined it with their own phrase but i just thought it was very fitting um dudley's only get a two count from that um the ref gets distracted bubba eats a super kick and the right descends will get the win in six minutes four sorry i've not explained much of that match but there wasn't a hell of a lot going on in the first four minutes um uh, the baby faces get their own back after the match by beating down Stephen richards and putting him through a table as expected <laughs> yeah so um the only highlight that opening four minutes was uh, Val Venus hits a lovely blue thunderbomb on Devon. Uh, I don't know what he called it, uh, but I'm calling it a blue thunderbomb. Um, a very underrated wrestler is Val Venus, and I think we've mentioned this before, and I'm going yeah. to keep mentioning it every time that he's a good performance on the podcast. I think we watched the match, was it with Ken Shamrock? Um, Ryan Shamrock was there and they had yes. Billy Gunn on as a special yes. guest referee. That's exactly and what it was. That match went about longer than expected anyway. Oh, um, aye, but there were some points in that where I thought he, he was actually a pretty good yeah. worker, you know. Yeah. I mean, um, he, his moves are crisp. He's got uh, an array of uh, nice slams and suplexes and he's mm-hmm. got a, a very nice uh, high-flying finisher. And he's uh, explosive as well, isn't he? He is explosive. He's, he gets overlooked. Yeah, I, I, would, I would totally agree. Um, and the thing was as well, he's not like, he's like, you're like, oh, he's a great worker, but he couldn't really work on the mic. He doesn't have much charisma. He had that as well. Yeah, <laughs> you know? absolutely. Um, yeah. So, uh, he, he had a very dated um, gimmick though. It's not as if he could have kept doing that gimmick coming out of the attitude there. That was, in those two to three years, that was perfect for him. Uh, yeah, that had a ceiling. It did have a ceiling. However, um, his transformation into Chief Morley was also superb. Yeah, I've, I've just been watching that year myself and, you know, he's sort of, I think he's sort of transitioning more into a wrestler again from what I'm in. So I'm, I'm getting towards WrestleMania 19 just now mm-hmm. um, and he's wrestling a little bit more. Um, but again, as you said, you know, I just thought he had it all. He, he, was, he was very, very good. It's probably a mystery how he never really hit the heights, but he was just a solid hand. Um, probably one of the most solid... Um, consistent mid-carders that stayed in the mid-card you know, obviously you've got yeah. mid-carders like Jericho, Benoit uh, Guerrero but obviously they all eventually moved up to the main event uh, one other point I'll make of this match is where the fucking noise coming through the crowd is unreal they're Rabid. so loud they are um, uh, so what did you think of the match? Yeah, I thought it was okay um, I thought it was a solid opener I think when you mm-hmm. put eight guys in there for the opening match you can't really go wrong um, I think you know the pace keeps up somewhat Um you don't give the crowd too much, you know, you just give them enough to, to get them warmed up and, and get them going. Um, but yeah, six minutes, it was okay. I'm happy with yeah. it. And, um, and, and the thing with um, six minutes, eight guys, there's no rest holes, there's no um, laziness, it's just everybody's going full pelt until they get to the finish. The finish I thought was a bit sloppy. I think Bubba mistimed um, his positioning. He was a bit mm. all over the place. He had to go looking for the Stevie kick. Um 
ex- apart from that, that's been very, very nitpicky. Apart from that, I thought it was a good, solid match. And then we um, we immediately cut to fucking terrorizing backstage, <laughs> um, cutting a typical terrorizing promo as Stephanie pretends to be interested. Oh, her um, acting is so bad in this. Oh, it's shocking. I, I was um, I was finding it really strange looking back at her. Um, she's like she always had that really really screechy um, screechy uh, voice. Uh-huh. But see if you look at her now, she's like an absolute Amazon. Like she's she's a She's not like I'm not saying she's fat. She's like she's tall and she always like towers she always over the like divas. A little girl. She, yes, that's and what now it is. she looks like. Yes. I, I know exactly what you mean. Mm-hmm. She's looks as if uh, she's maybe gained you know, fucking a foot in height as well. Uh, she, she's legit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's a presence there. Yeah. <laughs> there are presence. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're talking about Triple H's hurt ribs. Um, Karango did a number on him with a sledgehammer, I believe, um, which is going to play into the story of their later on match. Um, and we'll just jump into the straight, straight in the next match, shall we? Uh, well, I, thought, I, th- I thought you might want to jump right into this of one. Of course. I mean, How many fucking times have we seen the feud between these two cunts? Yeah. Because like, oh, they did it when uh, they brought ECW back as well, I believe. How, exactly. I think they, they revisit it every time ECW comes back yeah. or is invaded or some bollocks. Um, also, this is a strap match. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is just the worst stipulation in wrestling. I remember when we first watched it, well, the first strap match we did on the podcast. I was like, "You don't get many strap matches." I think that's about the fucking eighth one we've done. Like, <laughs> <laughs> fucking loads. <laughs> well, this is your main man here, so I'll let you mark yes. out to this. So, of course, first thumbs up, Taz's theme song. One of my all-time favorite theme songs. I fucking love that song. You know when it comes on, it's business time. Um, also, second thumbs up, Lawler's sensationally bright Cyclops-inspired gear. Uh, with his wee blue tights and his yellow top. Oh, like, oh horrible. Like, horrible. Fucking, horrible. Um, fucking X-Man Lawler here, man. Yeah, uh, so uh, it's one of these matches where there's two guys who, I mean, Lawler was a big guy in, in, the, in the territories, a big name. Taz was the man in, in ECW. Um, but they put him in the WWF and they're lower mid you know? I, I don't get... Well, well, saying that Lawler was in the main event in the 90s. He was feuding with Bret Hart in the 90s and mm-hmm. that was sort of a main event feud. I, I don't get it. I, I do not see it in Lola. I know he was a big a big fish in a small pond in Memphis, but it was his promotion. Yeah, but and it was also a different time. You know, it was also... And that was also in the 70s and 80s, you know, yeah, where yeah. wrestling I, I, was a different... Also, he was a babyface the majority of the time as well. Um, where he, so he would just take a lot of the beating you know, yeah. play the wee bit and then make his comeback. So I, I don't think it was, you know, he's a phenomenal wrestler. I think oh, he's, 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 he's got all the other aspects in terms of he's got the facials, he's got the charisma um, to draw the crowd in and make some money. But when he's he gets got, to in the ring, he was, just, he was just good enough, you know. He's got the allegations. He's got, <laughs> he's got the controversies. <laughs> I, I don't think there's a wrestling personality I dislike more than Jerry Lawler. Um you know, out, as I've just I was mentioned, like out with him being like an absolute sleazy bastard, mm-hmm. uh, allegedly, he's he's just not that good a wrestler. Um, he just he punches, he punches some more. He takes a strap down and does a diving punch. I think the pile driver is his only actual like grappling move. move. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. uh, not a fan. I don't yeah. like that as much either. In fairness, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> oh, in fairness, um. So you'll probably get to this. I'm just going to spoil it right now. Um, Lawler hits about three pile drivers and Taz sells them. Uh, no, sells them all. Yep, like an absolute boss. Ah, it's brilliant. Straight back up. Fuck you. I was so surprised about that. Of all the moves to no sell a pile driver, like 
the one yep. that WWE would eventually ban. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I was even surprised when they had it. Because even back then, they knew the dangers of the pile driver. He's, but it's not as if he's like um, it's not as if he's like, like the, the kind of Samoan or the Islander heritage, where the the I mean the the, the hard head and can yeah. He's just. I just felt like Taz was like a lost character. Like, you know, he, he, he came in as like the Tasmanian, right? That was mm-hmm. his original sort of thing yeah. he was. So he's just yeah. maniac and, and stuff like that. But then he also became the submission specialist, like he had some sort of MMA background. And it's like, you can't go, you know, either either go full Kamala <laughs> or you go full Ken Shamrock. You don't just meet in the middle. I think that's what he tried to do um, and try and be a bit of both. And I just think it got lost. I think that's why nobody really liked it as much in WWF because nobody could really understand it you know like, what is this guy he's also like four foot eight yeah like, that doesn't help he looks tiny compared to you can you can you can see past that if he can go you know i think i think that could have been seen past but obviously not as you that, said not necessarily you can't nah, like, maybe not. i know i know guerrero and benoit are small guys but they're fucking so see, even if you're talking huge. about benoit guerrero angles they're not huge but they're still fucking decent size compared exactly. to him like, mm-hmm. um there's also a lot of choking in this match. I don't know there if you know, there's a bit of kink that's going on here. But, uh... Well, Lola's in it, so... Yeah. <laughs> uh, the finish is, is very awkward. Um... <laughs> can we talk about the finish here? Um, yes. How the fuck can you win a strap match by submission? Like, at what? How? Yeah, so the rules were pinfall, submission, or touching all four corners consecutively. That's not a strap match. That's just... It's just a match with a strap involved. Uh, yeah, a strap match is you need to hit all four corners consecutively. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah d- didn't understand it. Um, Lawler tries to like wrap the, the strap around Taz's neck and then like sling him over his shoulder like a fucking oh, was, uh, was a bit Santa much. Claus with a sack, yeah. you know? Like, um, I think Daniel Bryan gets sacked for less. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very awkward and then Raven turns up he actually gets a fair pop to be fair to him yeah, um, yeah. has a DDT and leaves and then Taz gets a Taz mission as a ref he, he's doing a bump on that one um, which doesn't make much sense because it's no DQ match anyway it's, yeah <laughs> uh, all of fades out Taz gets a win in 5 minutes 5 seconds um, it was yeah, I th- 5 I th- minutes th- too long it was actually going not too bad until the finish happened and then it just fell to bits um, I, I, was, I thought it was okay you know like I wouldn't, I wouldn't complain about it, but then as you said, the finish was going to let it down for me. It's not um, a match that I would recommend to anyone. Um, however, is that the debut win for Taz on the podcast? I think it might be. Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, yeah so fucking five stars all round for you then. Definitely. Match of the night. Um, <laughs> obviously, but we have spoken before, obviously, about how the four corners rule was absolutely ridiculous as well. Um, like, Lola could just have walked around and hit all four corners, but obviously you have to drag your, your it, opponent, it, which is just... Well, there was one instance where he uh, specifically... Drew Taz closer, so we'd have to drag him. The, yeah. the, the, the strap is long enough that you can walk around all four corners while your opponent's in the middle of the ring. Yeah, I could understand that if maybe you were handcuffed to your opponent, um, where you know well, you were in closer proximity. But yeah, we'll leave the kink at the choking. We'll not bring in the handcuffs. That's just, Absolutely, that takes uh, changing whips and all that. Carry on, right? So, uh, so Steve Austin turns up. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Austin turns up. Let's live on the show up a wee bit, uh, and he absolutely leathers Kevin Kelly. Just, mm-hmm. uh, just for the sake of it. Um, Michael Cole joins GR on commentary uh, in Lola's absence as well, so that's a big thumbs down. uh, How young does Cole look here? Yeah, big time. Um, I think he's still been there for a couple of years at this point, but obviously trying to make that transition out in the the commentary Mm -hmm. booth. Uh, I think he did SmackDown at this time as well, if I remember correctly. Um, I think he was still on the night heat at this point. Was he? I don't think he'd quite got to SmackDown level. Um, I think Harry Cornette did some stuff as well. Yeah, on heat. Is that heat? Yeah, Um, Cole with a took over for Shane McMahon. Ah, yeah, fair Mm -hmm. enough. Um, so the next match is a hardcore battle royal uh, from one 
pile of shit to another. Uh, <laughs> ten minute time limit. Um, we get to see Al Snow living his European Championship yes. which we touched on before as well, yes. which is fucking fantastic. Uh, He's representing Italy on this occasion. Yes, not quite as good as his English one. So uh, check out our William Regal episode for my incredible impersonation of it. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, uh, other competitors in this match are Crash Holly, Tyson Kidd. Tyson Kidd, you mean? Tyson Kidd, fuck me, holy man. fuck, man. <laughs> I, I you know, I was kind of a, I was, I was on my phone when the entrances were, were happening. I looked up my. What's Tyson Kidd doing in WWF in 2000? Brilliant. I love if you ran with that and came back as Tyson Holly. <laughs> oh, amazing. Um, uh, Tess with Trish Stratus, yeah. Perry Sutton yes. with Terry. Um, and I thought Terry's... those two would be having a bit of scrap at some point, but apparently not. <laughs> Terry's, Terry's nipples could take your eyes out, man. Holy Christ. Football studs. Football studs. Funaki and the champion, Steve Blackman. Love this guy. Um, <clears throat> this is just a wild scrap, basically. Uh, yes. Spot of the night it, happens in the first five seconds. Perry Sutton goes for a suicide dive and gets a trash can to the face from Blackman. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> it's all downhill from here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? I didn't mind it. It was just 10 minutes. I think that was the problem. It just went too long. Um, yeah, so I wasn't quite under, I wasn't following this uh, very well because it's a hardcore battle royal. So I presumed that um, anyone could pin anyone. So my first, my first thought was, why is there only one referee? Surely there should be at least uh, three referees for mm-hmm. every kind of team or two but then JR kind of tells us that only the champion can be pinned so that's fair enough okay. um, there was a few kind of noticeable spots in the openings the trash can spot I just said was was insane and then Test absolutely fucks Funaki from the inside out he just he just eats him man uh, <laughs> everybody. it's all dog pile spot yeah. Yeah, always, always class the, the Smackdown number one announcer getting a uh, getting about 50 yards up the <laughs> up the park there was, uh, yeah did you enjoy the girls getting head? Oh yes. Uh, oh, like you see, if you hadn't mentioned that Russell just, was in just, just clip that wee section there. Yeah. <laughs> Put that on one of the. I'll get people listening. Yeah, um, um, so is it? I think it's Trish gets mm. absolutely. She gets. Uh, she gets Malky the Al Snow's um, mannequin head. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. Painter Jews. Painter Jews. Salem has a moonsault, uh, which is very very nasty looking. Um. Which then leads to Crash getting the pin. Yeah, Crash gets the, yeah Crash gets the first pin, um, and then Saturn in turn pins Crash, mm-hmm. and then finally after Blackman's showcase with these um, MMA weapons, so he brings out the the two long sticks and the uh, kendo sticks. You ever remember those? Um, remember Coco Pops did choco straws? Yes, that's exactly what they are. That's yeah. exactly what they are. It's just like yeah. two straws. That's what it looks like. Uh, or an old breathing pipe for like an old Bond film. That's what it looks like. Um, <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, uh, yeah. That was that was the best part of the match. Was literally the finish. Uh, Blackman just showing off his martial arts skills. Yeah, I, I, I would like that if they did that for the last minute, but they did that for the second last minute. So mm-hmm. for the final minute, everybody's just trying to grab Blackman and get a pin on him. Um, I liked it was yes. a bit of a schmoz, but I would have liked that if Blackman just had his showcase, got the fall, and then got out of there. Yes. Um, yes. I think there'd be a better showcase for him because I just I just ended up in a big, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> as I said, man, it was it was it was fine. There was plenty going on. Uh, just 10 minutes I could have done without that for the hardcore title you know what I mean uh, it was longer than the first two matches that we had um, it was more like a WWE championship scramble match mm-hmm. with weapons um, if only Brian Kendrick would have won that but that's <laughs> a digress so Blackman takes the belt 
and walks away. <clears throat> so surely when the bell rings, it just goes back to normal twenty four seven rules. So why wouldn't they just? Well, that's then? what I was confused about as well. But Jr. said that you know yeah. Blackman's got twenty four hours now. Twenty four um, hours, hours of immunity from being pinned, which yeah. is glorious. Uh, Michael Cole, well done, brilliant. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I, I I was like that myself. I was like, it's a twenty four hour rule still thing. I was like, if he wins this match, then they get they get the twenty four mm. hours off so they can have a bit of sleep. Should <laughs> uh, do that more often with the fucking twenty four seven belt. I think um, that's the thing. I think so. Uh, so we see Kurt Angle backstage bragging about his medals, uh, which I thought was fantastic. I know this one's for the worlds and this one's for the Olympics. <laughs> uh, I, just, I just love Kurt Angle in this era. It's so, so good. So this this must be uh, the first encounter between. Austin and Angle ever. Absolutely is, yeah, because he says, and, nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah. You would think they'd be working together for years. See, the, the, the chemistry they have. Mm-hmm. Um, Austin just knows selling Angle, picking up his uh, medals, and then he hands Austin a medal for um, for coming back from injury. And Kurt obviously then says, oh, but it's not actually as good as mine because, you know, you didn't actually do anything. Lose <laughs> the rag, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, he's going to store it in a real special special place. Right yeah. up Angle's arse, brilliant. Uh, and he beats him up. Uh, I, I like that exchange. It was really, it was really nice. Um, you know, go, go. Wasn't it, didn't have your belly laughing, but it gave you a giggle, you know. Um, it's, um, it's a nice wee clack, uh, palate cleanser between matches. These wee yeah, because I, th- I think when you get those segments in between matches, sometimes they can be a bit meh. But if you're using stars like Austin and Angle, mm-hmm. um, they're going to actually tune in, aren't you? <laughs> um, the next match, X Pac versus Chris Jericho. Um, X Pac's been attacking Jericho with nunchucks because whoa, kung fu and all that. Um, mm. that's, that's obviously his gimmick. Uh, yeah, so. X Pac's still in his DX gear here. Um, uh, and theme song. And theme song. I didn't think DX was still a thing at this minute. Uh, <laughs> surely, surely not. I don't believe they are, no. Um, I think he's closer to the X Factor than he is DX, but here mm-hmm. we are, fucking idiot. Um, unless you looked it up, how old would you think X Pac was here? Um, I don't know, actually, but he's been a bit... Um... Right, so I thought he looked closer to 40. He looks closer to 40, yeah, but Aye. I know he's younger than that because he's Twi- debuted when he was much younger. He's 28. Aye. I just thought he about 35, to be fair. Uh, yeah, so I'm glad he's kind of sorted himself out mm-hmm. these days because um, if he didn't, I'm sure he'd be dead. Ah, he's having quite a clean lifestyle these days, thankfully. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, he was like 19 or something when he debuted, wasn't he? That's right. Against Razor. He was very young then. Um, obviously, one, two, three kids, so... Uh, I knew he wasn't that old, I suppose. But uh, JR said this match had the potential to be a show stealer. I'd say that was absolutely right. Um, didn't fully deliver, but it was still a pretty good match. Um, no, I mean, what can you say about this one? It's it's just kind of standard um, uh, workhorse match of the night. This one, mm. uh, I, I, I was, I was, re- I was the more wrestling match of the night, um, which was which was odd because I thought uh, because of the build of Jericho getting attacked with weapons, uh, this one would have had a wee bit more gimmick to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've already had two gimmicks matches in a row. So. I was going to say, and, and we're going to get one later on that's get changed shortly. And obviously, the Fatal Four main event, there's going to be a lot of that going on. Yeah. Um, I did like uh, Cool Spot Jericho goes up for the springboard on the top rope and sort of balances and gets pushed off. I thought it was quite nice. Um, just the ability to do that, really. You know, uh, quite a few sleeper holds um, from X Pack, which I thought that's really slowing the match down compared, you know, considering who we've got in the ring here. Um, Jericho had a nice power bomb hitting uh, on X Pack while he was going on the top rope, which I always like that. You know when the heels um, bragging throughout the match and then finally gets caught out. Um, Jericho has his line salt, eats the knees, and uh, X Pack comes off Brett's rope at one point. Jericho catches him, locks in the walls, and gets the immediate tap out for the win in nine minutes and three seconds. Um, 
Jericho keeps it locked in after the bell, actually. Get some points back on X-Pac. Yeah. Of course, he would bring the nunchucks into the match afterwards and knock him down. So this feud ain't over yet, folks. Um, thoughts on the match? It was fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, there's not a lot to say. It was just, it was fine. I thought it was solid enough, you know. I didn't think... Um, I don't think it blew anybody away. Um, no, it didn't wow me, but it also didn't bore me. So yeah, nice uh, but you can see the, the mid card never beat this team. It was pretty decent. Um, pretty decent. We see Mick Foley backstage, Commissioner Foley, um, practicing his counting. <laughs> uh, so he's going to be a special guest referee later on for Angle and Triple H. Um, Angle goes for a moan um, about Austin kicking his ass. Some wee comedy in there, um, and Foley makes the Angle and Triple H match an ODQ. So to complain and he comes out worse off um, with a more difficult match later on in the evening poor Kurt poor Kurt <laughs> uh, he's absolutely in the right if <laughs> but he, he, know, always, uh, he always loses out oh he's him right for being a grass you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, we see The Rock come face to face with Austin backstage I thought this was a cool moment mm-hmm. um, The Rock puts a hand out to shake hands he says welcome back I thought it was cool as fuck um, yes, tingly. It's it's a yeah, goosebumps moment. Ah, uh, it's the old uh, the old mega powers, <laughs> but it's the modern version, you know, <laughs> the old handshake. Um, some guy called Joe comes in and Austin just batters him too. Uh, it's just I love that man. Like imagine just going to your work and just battering people. Like, <laughs> who we battering the day? Joe, right? You. <laughs> um, and that leads us into the next match: um, Edge so, and Christian versus the Hardy Boys steel cage match for the tag titles. Yeah, just before we start, uh, I think Finkel was struggling with the rules a bit here. Um, so he says only pinfalls and escape the cage. So if there's pinfalls, why can you not tap them out? Why is there no submissions? That's a fair That's, point. Yeah, bizarre. Yeah. There is a lot of issues with rules tonight in this pay-per-view. They're all over the place. It's probably because Edge, Christian and Hardy don't use submission moves. He's like, don't need to worry about that. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Edge has got one. Well, not here he hasn't, but he did have one in the locker. Mm-hmm. So, um, Inverted sharpshooter. Yeah. Educator. Uh, educator. Maybe. I've got a few moves with edge in the name. Um, (laughs) So, uh, first and foremost, that hardy pop, man. (laughs) Jeez. And it's the high pitchness of it. You know the girls love them. Um, It's it's the perfect way to start the second half of the show. Yeah. Uh, Lita was laid out in the melee of an attack from Edge and Christian um, a week or so ago. So she's not out there with them. Selling that one, of course. Uh, this match was like, as soon as I saw that it was on the card, I'm like, this is 2000. Like, this is, <laughs> you expect this in 2000. Um, so the Hardys and cling to the top early on. Jeff gets to the top and he's looking for the Swanton, um, but Edge cuts him off and Jeff tumbles to the floor to the outside. So very early on, Jeff's on the outside, leaving Matt on his own um, against both Edge and Christian in the cage. Quite a surprising start to this match. It's like, oh, Christ, like he's already on the outside. Yeah, um, more so um, the commentators suggesting that um, he couldn't get back in. Mm-hmm. It wasn't allowed back in, but it's an ODQ match, so why wouldn't you be? Yeah, of course you can go back in, yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's going to happen, you know what I mean? Um, I think GR tried to clear that up in the end and by saying, well, there's nothing saying he can't go in. Yeah. Um, but no, there was a bit of confusion there as well. I think the rules hadn't been very well explained from the get-go. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, so would, this, would this have been the first cage match, the tag team cage match then? No, I'm pretty sure Edge and Christian were involved with one of the Hardy Boys before. I remember mm-hmm. them being... Was that maybe No Way Out? We watched that one, No it Way Out. It was the big blue cage. Oh, I right, remember yeah. the finish where um, I think Christian get pulled through the big squares uh, yeah. and he was dangling. I can't remember that. I think that was against the Hardy Boys, but I think that was 99 or so. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but it's I think it's the first one with the new style cage, so I'll give you that one. Yeah. Um, so match against both Edge and Christian. Um, he hangs up Christian on the top rope in a tree of woe and wraps up Edge in the ropes as well. So that gives him the freedom to try and climb on the top, but he gets cut off and superplexed from the top, which I thought was a nice spot. Um, Jeff's basically outside acting as a cheerleader because every time he tries to get back in, um, he gets knocked off the, the, the cage, um, which I thought was quite a good way to sort of say, you know, we money can try and get in and save my yeah. brother, and they're going, no, you're, you're outside now, you know. Um, so Matt takes a brunt of the beating, he gets long darted into the cage at one point. Um, I think he gets busted open a wee bit later on as well. Jeff decides he's taking sure off, he's taking the, the key from the referee on the outside, um, takes a chair into the ring before Christian stops him, smashes the cage door against him. Ouch, that was a bad yeah. <laughs> so, um And Christian retrieves another chair, comes back in and then locks themselves back in the cage. Um, and then Edge puts the keys on his pants so nobody's getting them, right? Nobody's <laughs> <laughs> getting my wife fronts for the, for the key. Uh, Alita might have a go, right enough. Uh, she'll retrieve them in a few years. <laughs> in about five years' time. Um, so they go for the concerto. Uh, it's unsuccessful. Matt gets out of the way, cuts both guys off. Um, starts to climb to the top of the cage. Edge and Christian go up. Edge grabs him. Christian goes over the cage and that gives Jeff Harder the chance to throw a ladder against Christian. That knocks him to the floor. So mm-hmm. we've got two on the outside and we have Edge and Matt Hardy back on the inside of the, of the ring. Um, Jeff Harder then goes up the ladder, comes back inside the cage um, and now hits a whisper of the a whisper in the wind from the top of the cage. Um, aims for both Edge and Matt. Lands right in the middle. They could at least caught the fucker. Oh. <laughs> I mean, Hard landing. That it's looked a, painful. Oh, it's a shame. Like, it looked great, though. It looked oh, it did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it didn't look like he, you know, he hurt himself badly, but, I mean, they could have <laughs> cushioned it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, I ain't fucking catching him. Uh, Christian then tries to t- climb the ladder and get into the cage, uh, but Lita comes down and has a hurricane rana on a Christian, taking him off the top of the ladder to the match on the outside. I thought it was a brilliant spot. Yeah. Um, got a real pop as well when Lita came down. thought it was fantastic. Uh, Edge bounces a chair off Jeff's head and starts to climb. Um, the Hardys then take the chairs, wedge them in the top of the cage, get out the top of the cage, and then hit the concerto to Edge, knocking them off um, back into the ring. And the Hardys leave the leave the cage and win the match. So, bit of a long winded explanation there from me, but there was a lot going on in that match, and it was very, very good. Um, probably one of the best cage matches I've seen. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I thought the way they booked it and the psychology behind what they did, and I thought it was really fun and creative as well. Like it wasn't just like Here's a story about man buying. I thought it was really, really good. And you're always going, what's going to happen next? It's quite good. You know, the four guys are putting everything out there. Um, I just absolutely loved it. You know, what about you? I couldn't add anything more to what you said. Um, yeah, <clears throat> brilliant match. The, the, the spot at the end was absolutely fucking insane. Mm-hmm. Um, these four lads, you know, along with the three boys, continually raising the bar for these yeah. matches. Um, every time they get in the ring, they do better. Like, I always wonder what the thought process is. If they maybe sit down and write down a few spots, and then sort of go, right, what's the least impactful and then build up to the best one yeah. um, as the finish, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds like quite a simple way to do it, but I just feel like the way they pace their matches are so good. Like, you know, they don't have, it's not like, you know, if you watch maybe a Money in the Bank match nowadays, it's big spot, big spot, big spot, big spot. But it's like, they sort of like start off with like a, a smaller spot and work their way up to the biggest one. Um, and the most, the one that's going to get the biggest pop and then you've got that finish at the end, which just made so much sense. Um, obviously Lita coming down and getting involved to take Christian out of the game um, and then using the concerto which has been used against them so Lita gets her own back the Hardys get their own back and they get the win um, it's a very well told story I thought it was fantastic yeah uh, and the, these guys always seem to do that don't they um, it's, it's amazing how these guys 
could be rivals for so long, but yet it never get boring. Yeah. I think you're like, um, and obviously tag team makes it easier, but you I mean you think about um, a fucking Orton with Cena or Orton with Triple H mm-hmm. or even maybe even the New Day and the Usos. Yeah, that's they go over doing the tag yeah, team. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they've had a lot of matches, and it's kind of like I've seen a lot of it now. But with yeah. the Hardys and, and, and Edge and Christian, you never really felt that, did you? No, um, absolutely not. So uh, next up, we see Stone Cold confronting Stephanie McMahon Helmsley um, on her birthday. By the way, happy birthday, Steph! Um, she, she gives him the hat that he was wearing when he was knocked down as a present. He's so sarcastic about it. It is fucking yeah, it brilliant. Is. I, like, like, I guess I got my hat now, huh? I guess yep. I'm going to go home now. Huh? I, mean, <laughs> I thought it was a great visual that he was wearing this, the exact same yeah. hat anyway. So that, I've, I've already been to him some days. Yeah. Oh, he's like, well, I haven't found a guy who knocked me down yet, but at least I got my hat back, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, fucking brilliant. So good. Um, we'll see Lola coming back to commentary, so he gets his entrance uh, just in time for the Intercontinental Championship match. Um Eddie Guerrero with Mamacita uh, versus Rikishi. So this storyline is basically about China and Eddie's relationship demise. Um, but Eddie saved it with an engagement. I think we've spoken about this more, 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 uh, in more detail um, in the Eddie Guerrero episode. Um, and Eddie, of course, being jealous of China, bearing all for Playboy. Um, yeah, it's the it's the standard fucking Mark Merrill Sable thing, isn't mm-hmm. it? You know, the the crowd are cheering the the lassie and the boo the the boo the the heel lad. Yeah. Um, I didn't think Eddie got a, a reaction at all. I thought it was quite mute. Yeah. yeah which is very, very strange. And also, uh, the big quiche doesn't get a reaction either. Uh, he used to always get a big strange. reaction. Yeah. Um, bizarre. I think the crowd are knackered for the last match. It's the only yeah. explanation. Um, and I thought it maybe affected the match a wee bit as well. I thought it was decent enough. Oh, I thought the match um, was but it just it, it was like it was okay, but I could have been on TV and you just a, you know it, yes. it didn't it didn't blow me yes. away. Um, no. I always thought Rikishi was was like good worker and could move for his size. Um, but I still always believe his best role was that big man for too cool. I always thought that was his best role, mm-hmm. where he would just come in for a minute and just clear house and yep. get a win. That was that was enough for me. Um, I, I have no interest watching Rikishi wrestle for six minutes. Um, it, absolutely not. A <clears throat> um, couple of bizarre spots. Um, well, the finish was fucking dreadful. But um, just before that, Eddie's trying to leave. <clears throat> um, after so he should go to the bonsai drop, but he misses, and Eddie's like, "Fuck that! I'm, 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 I don't want any of that." Um, on the outside, China catches up with him and actually shoves Eddie. DQ? No. Uh huh. Put, put her hands on him, physically shoved him, and then threw him back into the ring. Disqualification. Match over. But no. Um, so this just keeps happening. China continually interfering. Uh, until Rikishi attacks her uh-huh. and somehow gets DQ'd yep. for attacking someone that's not in the match. Doesn't work that way, I'm afraid. Um, uh, I have no words for this finish. Uh, yeah, you, you don't get DQ for attacking someone who's not in the match. It's not fucking Eric Cantona attacking a Leeds fan. He even get sent <laughs> off for that sort of thing. So, like, you know, it, it's a different, different sport altogether, I'm afraid. Yep. Um, yep. She actually intersected herself into the match. If I was the referee making the judgment call there, she got her comeuppance. Uh, yes, she so, very much did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like she did something the referee didn't see. She literally came in and grabbed his hand to stop him counting the three. So, Which should have been a DQ right there. That should have been a DQ. So, um, Eddie should have lost. Yeah, for laying your hands so, on the referee, that's a DQ, yeah. isn't it? So, so first, first of all, Eddie should have won by DQ, and then Eddie should have lost by DQ, and then... Rikishi Nothing else should have happened. <laughs> oh my god! What? what yeah, what disappointing match. You always expect, you, um, you always expect top quality when Eddie's involved, but this was just absolute garbage. This is this is a case of the storyline overcoming the actual matches. Um, oh, yes. 
uh, which is a shame. Um, I mean, and the thing was as well, like, because I know the Eddie and China breakup thing was probably not too far away from this point. If I'm China here, this this is probably the moment where you would take China and have her go in and lay out Eddie because her her magazine release was the next day, so the magazine would be released on Monday. Okay. So I think if you wanted to make her, you know, look like the star and maybe get people to buy that magazine, then do something to thing with that. Not don't get her, you know, to get battered by Rikishi yeah. and lying there on her ass. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, just 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 an idea for you know uh, marketing. <laughs> um, we see Jonathan Coachman backstage uh, interviewing Undertaker, who is chewing tobacco, which is fucking disgusting. Um, yeah, just like you just see this big bulge in his mouth, and mm-hmm. he spits at one point. I'm like, that's just fucking. Nice. <laughs> like, oh, uh, just before the co-main event of the evening, if you like, um, if you will, uh, Kurt Angle versus Triple H in a no DQ match. Um, First and foremost, this feud, um, obviously Kurt Angle, the, the creepy wife stealer. Um, yes, yes. So he's he's getting a wee bit too friendly uh, with Steph for for uh-huh. uh, terrorising liking here. <laughs> so here's this need no DQ match they sort it out. Uh-huh. I mean, oh, it's the simplest of storytelling, isn't it? Like, <laughs> Love it. You can't blame him though. Uh, fine, fine. Good memories of the storyline, though. Oh, absolutely. Again, I mean, one of these storylines that seem to have went on forever. Yeah, uh, already done a few times because I remember. Um, I remember Angle getting a bit rapey with um, Booker T's wife at one point yeah. as well. He, he's got a reputation for it. Yeah, he's, he's into that bestiality sex, apparently. Um, if you remember <laughs> that Charmel situation. And, uh, um, and then Jarrett beat him and shoot in real life. Yep. <laughs> his wife. It's ridiculous, man. It comes yeah. full circle for him. He's, yeah, he's wanting to leave after birds, I think. He's, not, he's still getting much luck in that department. Um, <laughs> oh, Triple H is my time theme. See when that yes. hits, oh, there's a nostalgic yes. shot in your arm. Mm-hmm. You get every time I hear that song, I go, Oh man, I, I don't know what it is. You know, it's like a male orgasm every time. It's just, it's just you know, as soon as you hear it, it's just like music to your ears. Um, for sake, big fan, big yeah. Fan. Aye, um, I mean, it's a good job I'm no married because the wife would be thinking, you know, Christ, he's in there cheating on me down the stairs and he's just watching Triple H, you know. <laughs> My time comes on, Oh Jesus, <laughs> uh, so expect the injured ribs of Triple H to come into play as this one. Um, he has control early on, but of course, um, Kurt Angle's going to twist that um, using did, the ribs and stuff like that. Did you th- I think they had a bit of an issue getting their timing sorted out in the early stages. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a bit sloppy. A bit clumsy. Yeah, it, it was definitely Triple H's mm-hmm. fault. Um, it's not going to be Angle's fault for I mean, I mean, he is fresh into the business at this time. I don't know how many times these guys have been in the ring together at this point. Um, so you could maybe put it down to that. Maybe there was an unfound chemistry from the start. Um Obviously, Triple H is the more experienced of the two, so he's probably having to lead Angle through the match. But if it's not the kind of match that Angle is probably used to, um, I think there's going to be a difficulty there. Um, I, I think Angle's too quick, and Triple H is going to keep up. You're probably right. I think that's what the issue is. Yep. Um, I thought this match was slow in places. Um, it's just a, it's a typical Triple H match. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, despite who, despite who he's in the ring with, um, or Angle obviously one of the best. Even here, I think he's a cut above uh, angle. It's just it's just a standard okay match, you know what I mean? Like nothing standing out. Mm-hmm. There's there's nothing overly bad either. It's just yeah. I thought there was a the nice spot where uh, Triple H gets suplexed from one announce table to the other. Oh, um, he gets twatted through there, man. He yes. gets fucking launched. It's like a side on sort of belly to belly suplex. I thought it was really, really nice. Um Angle basically controls the bulk of the match following that, um, just working over the ribs and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Amunsault, gorgeous form as always. It's just, um, it's an absolute perfect arch, isn't it? Picture perfect, yeah. And um, the photographers must love when he does that, you know, <laughs> they'll like, save photographers. Um, 
Triple H gets his comeback, face buster, um, and due to an injured arm, they can only hook one arm for the pedigree. I thought um, that was a nice bit of psychology. Yeah, because he hooked it and he realised and he took his arm away. Yeah, but then really he, he, he absolutely just ruins it moments later. Yep. Uh, Steph comes in, he tells him <laughs> to make a decision. Um, she kicks Angle in the nuts, and Triple H has a second pedigree. JR kind of tries to cover for him by using both hands by saying he's went all in this time or something. Um, Triple H to AEW confirmed. Uh, not a match, <laughs> not, not a bad match by any means. 17 minutes, 26. Longest match on the card, of course it is. Um, I thought it was solid enough, but I just thought it lacked something for me. Uh, just I can't quite place what it is. Maybe just expecting more intensity and a little bit more from it. But as you said, Triple H standard bearer match. Um, yep. Uh, he also spits on angle after the match. You're a manky yeah. bastard. Oh, I, I hope he went back saying kicked fuck out of him after yep. that. <laughs> oh, it's horrible. Absolutely horrible. Um, right, so... Do you remember this period in WWF for um for any sort of rib injury meant internal bleeding? So like, your, so your ribs are taped up. If you get a shoulder, the ribs oh spitting up blood. Yeah, mm. that's what this match was, and I find that hilarious. Yeah, I, I, that that is a, that <laughs> was something they did quite often. Um, An absolute staple of the WWF. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, yeah. So we got a little segment before the main event. Um, Shino Matt comes out to Vince's song. Uh, he's not going. Here comes the money at that time. Um. And he comes out to publicly call out the attacker on Steve Austin and presents um, the footage that he has claimed to have. And it's basically when Shamrock actually knocked down by, was knocked down by Steve Blackman, um, saying Blackman's a culprit because he's got a history of it. Um, so Blackman comes down, Shane gets out of the ring, and then Stone Cold's music hits. Pop of the night, I think. <laughs> safe right. to say. It was uh, absolute pop of the night, right? But what I focused on was Blackman's reaction in the ring, right? So do you think it's just, it's just brilliant wrestling logic, kayfabe? Like, wherever you are on the totem pole, uh, is a direct correlation of how tough you are, right? So, what I mean by that is obviously Blackman is currently the hardcore champion, but Austin is main eventer, so Blackman should be uh, Blackman's immediately terrified of Austin because he's mm-hmm. higher up the totem pole. In reality, Blackman is the exact same height wise, but look at the shape he's in compared to Austin. Like, uh-huh. Blackman would fucking kill Austin, yep, on a shoot, yeah, in a shoot, but mm. oh, it's, it's just funny, it's, it's nice things like that. I love stuff like that. Um, so Blackman continually tries to step through to Shane, but Austin keeps cutting him off. Mm-hmm. Um, does that two or three times. Uh, Blackman goes to get out the ring. Austin spins him around, hits a stunner. Um, I was fully expecting Austin to pin pin him and take the hardcore belt. Imagine. Oh, I'd love that. <laughs> it was remember the the Lesnar Artruth segment. Uh, yes. A few months ago. Uh, yeah, that should have happened. Should have <laughs> <laughs> amazing. That'd be hilarious. Actually. Surely, be regardless of what belt it is, if you're a champion, you'll be making more money. You think so? Uh, you, you maybe not that belt right enough. But well, well, in, in terms of wrestling, kayfabe, if you're a champion, you're a champion. Mm-hmm. You're at the top of that division, and you'll be making more money from it. Yeah. So. Uh, so basically, um, Blackman gets stunned. Machine um, shares a beer with Austin before taking two stunners of his own. Um, and then Austin just thinks a few beers on the way up around. I never get tired of that, will you? I mean, let's no, absolutely not. He, no. he does that nowadays, and it's still you don't get tired of it. <laughs> um, so we're into our main event now, uh, WWF Championship on the line. Kane, Undertaker, The Rock, and Chris Benoit. Uh, Fatal 4 reaction. First and foremost, pff, colossal names. I mean, you know, as I said, just looking at the roster we've seen so far and having these four in the main event, Christ almighty. <laughs> yeah, absolutely um, stacked roster. Um However, <laughs> my point, my first point is obviously a negative against Undertaker. He's fucking wrestling gear. Like, 
that's a blue vest. You just get out of pre mark. Like, mm. you he's, wear a, him? he's a bit heavy here as well. Oh, he's so out of shape. Uh, yeah. I, I think this was around about the time where the crowd were booing him just because he's work rate and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've heard him, well, I've not heard him speak, but I've heard a few people speak about that uh, on some podcasts and stuff like that. Uh, Jesus, have some fucking pride in your work, man. Holy hell. Yeah, I think he was probably on the, on the road back to being in good shape at this point because yeah. I've seen him heavier um, yes, but yes. He, what he, he did, you can see it, you can see the gut um, well, that blue t-shirt um, thing he had on when we did Judgment Day 2000 and it was 99 99 sorry and he came back in his bike mm-hmm. and that was his, that, he was at his heaviest then yeah. so this is a year after it and he's still not looking great mm-hmm. yeah um, conversely Kane might be in the might be the most in shape guy in the roster at the moment. Like, Kane has always been in great shape as well, though. Like, I, I generally think he was my favourite wrestler at this point in time. Yeah. Uh, he was just so unusual. Uh, obviously, the big guy, the great character, the gimmick. Uh, opens uh, up your eyes, really, doesn't he, when he walks out? Like, yes. Something yes. There. Uh, That's what he, he turns your head, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then you actually see him in the ring. And he's no slouch. It was a bit of slouch in this one, but that's just because of the style of the match. But, I mean, a guy that can get to the top rope and. Aye, uh, like nobody else. Yeah. Yep. Um. I also should point out Benoit's only been in the company for eight months at this point. It's remarkable, um, isn't it? He's in the main event with Taker, Kane, and The Rock for the WWF title. I yep. mean, pff, fair enough, man. He's yep. such a great wrestler. Um. I like this. I like all the referees holding everybody apart before the bell. I thought it was mm-hmm. quite good. Mm-hmm. Um. Don't think it would have mattered a hell of a lot because, like, obviously, nothing's going to happen if they did go for a brawl. But I thought it was a nice visual. Um. And, and, and standard fatal four way stuff. You know, they all pair off and yeah. Trade yeah. dance partners for a while, and that's exactly what I've wrote. Um, straightforward attitude there. I mean, event here. Um, there's lots of striking, you know, punch kicks. There's not too many moves happening. It's mostly um, big power slams and odd mm-hmm. small drop from the rock. A bit around um, robbing with people going out and coming back in, you know. Yeah, um, I, I felt for the first maybe eight to ten minutes or so, Benoit did not get a chance to shine at all. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just a punching bag, mm-hmm. uh, which was a shame. But obviously, it kind of led into. Uh, the finish. Yeah, uh, I, I, I did like at one point because obviously when you get knocked to the outside, you lie down and wait for your next spot. Mm-hmm. Kane refuses to do that, so he, he gets knocked to the outside <laughs> and just walks about. Uh, yes. Yes. I, I can't see what's going on because I kind of see past Kane because yeah. <laughs> uh, their monitors go fucked earlier on. So That's like, right. yeah, yeah. Um, he's, he, he can't even see what's going on. He actually, you know, is vocal about it. I just find it funny. You can see it in the camera, you just see Kane walking about in the background. He's like, I'm not lying down for anybody. <laughs> I'm Kane. <laughs> um, so uh, there's, a, there's a somewhat of a finish. Um, yeah. Hedner takes a big old ref bump. Yeah. Um, so without going on too much of a rant here, why do you need to take a ref bump in a fatal four way to bring in weapons? Uh-huh. It's an ODQ match. Uh, that, that's kind of what it looked like. I think it was more towards, as I said, the count that was coming up. Um, so Hedner takes a fall. Uh, Benoit Lamps take her um, and pins him one, two, three. So New Dora be champion. However, his leg was on the ropes. The ref but, didn't see it. He wouldn't have seen um, it anyway, regardless of there being a ref bump. He was still on that side. The, yeah. pin, the shoulders were on the opposite side. He wouldn't have seen the, the, the leg in the rope anyway. Mm-hmm. And who cares if there's a leg on the rope? It's an ODQ match. There can't be a rope break in an ODQ match. There we go. Paul um, should have stood. Here is your new champion, Chris Benoit. Fuck you, Mick Foley. You're absolutely wrong. Yeah, I, I found it absolutely ridiculous. You know, and they didn't have to do it. Um, I don't even know why they did do it, if I'm being there honest with you. no point. Yeah, um, that, so, that, that, that was my interest, the match lost uh, at that point. Yeah, uh, the, the match basically gets restarted. Um, I did like the, the you know the Rock, Taker and Kane all walking up the ramp like fucking 
you know, like, so you just yeah. keep everybody for a doing, you know, and they put people in there, and, and they just basically blather Benoit on the ramp. Uh, what are we back to the ring? Uh, then Benoit has some nice stuff. He has a diving headbutt on the rock, only gets a two. The Rock then locks in a cross face on Benoit. Uh, yep, you heard that right. <laughs> the Rock well, on Benoit. It's better than his sharpshooter anyway. That's for that's for fucking damn sure. Um, <laughs> Undertaker breaks that up, but then Kane hits a choke slam on Undertaker. Yes, I'm going to go bang fourth here. Uh, oh yeah. People's elbow on Kane from Rock uh, gets cut off by Benoit. Undertaker hits the last ride on the Rock. Another near fall, um, and then Kane on Taker bolted outside. Um, Benoit smashes them both a steel chair, and then gets his cross face on the Rock in the centre of the ring. Undertaker makes that save, uh, choke slams Benoit, then Kane pulls him off the cover and then they fight outside again. Uh, Rock gets up, hits the rock bottom on Benoit, and Taker and Kane try and fight each other to get in the ring. And uh, But the Rock gets the three count, nicks the win from under their nose, um, and retains the championship in 15 minutes and 18 seconds. I quite enjoyed the finishing sequence, actually. The last three minutes were pretty good. Um, but as you said, you know, that earlier controversy, if you like, <laughs> uh, pissed us off. <laughs> um, I thought it was a pretty decent main event, no? Uh, yeah. Um, bit of a clusterfuck, but I mean that's what, you always have to expect that in a full four way. Yeah, there's just so much going on. It's um, what it's what you it's what you're what's what you're buying, isn't it? If if you're watching a full four way match, it's kind of what, what comes with it. Yes. Um, um, yeah, I thought it was fine. Yeah, plenty of your falls, plenty of big moves. Um, false one, I suppose, did add some drama if it didn't defy the logic. Um, but that's just us being marks. Uh, <laughs> I don't think uh, that's been marked at all. I think that is how wrestling should be viewed. But, Wrestling's easy. You just have to give me consistency. If there's yeah. consistency, I will watch it. If there's not, then you're taken out in the moment. Unfortunately, that's a shame. Um, and I do think you know, like if they were going to go full out with that as a rule, um, it could have been doing me just explaining it better because it just kind of felt the crowd were a bit confused as well. You know, you could tell yeah. they were a bit, like, oh, what's going on here? And when the match got restarted, they're like, all right, at least we're getting more match because <laughs> that was fucking a bit quick, you know. Um, as for the show overall, pretty good for me. Um, the opening two matches were solid enough. I uh, relatively enjoyed the hardcore match for what it was, probably a bit long. Um, Jericho and X-Pac was okay. Uh, nice change of pace to have some you know, solid wrestling in there. Um, thought the cage match was nice match of the night for me. I thought it was fantastic. Um, had everything. Kept me entertained for the duration. Kept want, want, probably could have watched a bit more of it. Um, really, really good. Uh, Ed and Rikishi was poor, if I'm being honest. Not a fan of that. Or the finish. Um, underwhelmed by Triple H and Kurt Angle. But that's probably more due to expectation than anything else. And uh, I said the main event felt it gave me plenty um, to, to, to think before. So overall, a healthy B plus for me. Excellent. Uh, I've gave it a solid B. Um, there was nothing overly outstanding on on the pay per view, but a very solid card overall that was executed close to well, mm-hmm. uh, just below well, I'd say. Uh, the Austin segments were the absolute highlight. Um, as I said, nothing, nothing overly terrible except Jerry Lawler having to wrestle. So yeah, enough, I'd, yeah, I'd absolutely recommend give it a watch if you've got a spare two and a half, two and a half minutes. I wish two and a half hours <laughs> or so. Uh, I would absolutely hmm. skip match number two, and I would also skip match number six which was Eddie and Rikishi yeah cage match is definitely the one worth cage watching cage match is the highest yeah in terms of in-ring stuff the cage mm-hmm. match was, was tremendous um, I, think, I think the main event is a real actually there in a nutshell sort of thing um, in terms of you know who's in there and, and what you're getting for a main event match because a lot of that stuff went on you know in main event matches yeah. back then a, a lot of the main event matches in actually there seem like um, kind of modern day house show main events and what I mean with <clears> that is it's just throw as many stars in as possible and send the fans home happy. 
Yeah, totally agree with that. Um, so good show, very very good one there. Um, we're going to totally change it up for the next one that we do. Um, we're going to be going back to two thousand and nine, so nine years after the fact here, and eleven years ago to the day, <laughs> um, to the first ever Hell on a Cell pay per view. Um, we will have not one, not two, not four, but three Hell in a Cell matches. Um as well as five other matches, one of which including a young Drew McIntyre. Um, it's it's quite quite a change of pace um, from the eras that we've been been doing recently. Um, Sounds like four hours of a pay per view. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I like to keep variety in our reviews. Um, Absolutely. And there's a chance we'll be back in two thousand before the end of October. So <laughs> it's one of, it's one of those ones where like we have to give something new because we're going to end up in two thousand again before long. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one though. I think it'll be a, be a different one for us. Um, to sort of go to a different era and as you said Hell in a Cell as a pay-per-view yeah I'd be interested to talk about that as well absolutely if you hidden gems in the the modern day yeah. relatively modern day see if we can find any <laughs> um, so until our next show uh, I want to thank you Stuart for, as ever for joining me on this one always a pleasure and we'll see you all soon bye bye for now <laughs>